Well, I want to start off by saying thank you to my fellow hosts, Ellen and Kathy and Ty. You guys are amazing and made it so fun and um, just, it's been a crazy ride. It really has. I think we've gotten a lot better since episode one. We're trying to figure out what we're doing to now. I think we have it down. I think we really do have it down, Pat. Thank you. Thank you to you. too. Yes. Because you didn't mention yourself. Oh. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. you've you've been amazing also. Um, I can't believe that we're at the end of the first season. I know. We've had so many wonderful guests. And that 40 episodes and all the meetings that when also we have had meetings with no interviews. And, you know, it's meeting yeah. from different, four different time zones. Yeah. Like yeah, 40 true. plus times. Yeah. We made it work. Yeah. Yeah. And some of our guests have been all over. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, and, and we've made it work. Mm-hmm. We've made it work every time. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, we started off with the, uh, a series on the Yankton Four. Um, Desmond, Jesse, Garfield, and Russell. Um, what do you guys have um, think about how that went? I think it was, and I think we talked about it a little bit before. It was a really tough one to start out with because it was very heartbreaking, and um, well, a lot of the cases are, but it was really tough. And um, I got very sad and very angry as well. And I thought, you know, I was just, that was the first time I realized, wow, it it takes a lot. I did realize that, but it takes a lot for people to step up and tell this story. Mm-hmm. And um, it comes at a price, you know, they have to go through the whole thing again. Yeah. But on the other hand, they shouldn't suffer in silence and people need to know the stories. It's definitely one thing to hear about the story, but when you hear from somebody who actually went through it, that's, that's really, really emotional, really tough to hear. So. Yeah. And um, I I do have to say that I know that Desmond and Anna have been very proactive in trying to get attention to this, not just their case, but there's many cases like it on the reservations and they've been very proactive trying to get the information out to the public. So, yeah, it was, it was very enlightening to hear from Desmond and Anna was so well-informed. Everyone was, was really great, but every episode was a little different in that series, but it was so heartbreaking. It really was because you want to have an answer for someone you want to help them. And you realize that you have none. You know, it's kind of hard. Right. And another like really heartbreaking thing is that because they are um, convicted sex offenders, they have a hard time finding and keeping jobs. Mm-hmm. Once people find out what their charges were, they're gone. They're, they're fired. Right. Um, and um, so Desmond and his his cousin, uh, Leon Farley, did start their own um, art business. Um, the Real Tattooed Cowboys. Um, Desmond is an amazing artist and he does his art on so many different uh, items like 
um, skull, like um, the the um, deer skulls, or mm-hmm. um, they on wood, on canvas, on feathers. He's he's just an amazing artist, and Leon does a lot of woodworking, and he's got some really good, really nice pieces. So we'll have to check it out. You know. It's it's really hard though for them to to move on with their lives because of this charge hanging over their heads. And it would be one thing if they were guilty, mm-hmm. but since they're not guilty, it makes it twice as bad. Right. And on top of that, we heard from Lucretia, and she's a she was a supposed victim, but she's a real w- victim. Like this case has impacted her entire life, even though it didn't happen. Uh, what came after all the charges, all the trial stuff, and the way she was being treated by author- authorities, yeah. that did happen. Yes. And mm-hmm. absolutely. And she is, she was just an innocent child. She was very young. Yeah, You know, and so who was this for? It's just pain and suffering. There is no uh, justice. There's no reason for right. all these people's lives to be ruined. Nobody um, was saved. Nobody was helped. Right. It was just pain and suffering for everybody yeah. at the state of, at the hand of the state. Yes. And it made me very very sad and uh, also very angry because it it would be one thing if you if you could find any reason to believe this was just a sad mistake and now they're trying to correct that mistake or whatever but this is this was so many people's life and is so many people's lives ruined mm-hmm. it was very eye opening to me to realize how much um, prejudice and and discrimination is still going on in this country. Right. It just, you know, I lived in my little bubble where things weren't like that. And, and to know that this stuff is still going on. And it wasn't just these four men. It were many other native Americans that were arrested for and charged with crimes similar and you know they're in prison losing their lives due to lies and and hatred and these kids were taken away from their families they they had to grow up in foster homes they didn't know when they were going to come home like the family was shattered it is important and, to say that here at this point as their parents weren't convicted of anything or charged with right. anything. Right. How does that happen? Right. How do you lose your children without being charged with something? Right. Yeah. That, and that was so boggling to me. And we went, even though I, I did know that, you know, things are horrible for Native Americans, like in the many reservations, but uh, we were still like, Got, they they got to be able to sue. This can't be right. Right. That you just take away someone's children. You don't tell them where they are. They have no rights. Yeah. And no, well, well, they had no th- phones and they had no 
not many people drove. They didn't have cars because they didn't, they couldn't afford it. And, and we're talking the 1990s, not the 1890s, you know, right. this is, and it's still going on now. I mean, at least right. they have phones on the reservation now. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, we've talked about this during the series as well, but being poor is not a crime and it's not, but growing up in poverty is not self-inflicted or is not equal to um, there being no love. Right. Like you, you can grow up in a loving family and have strong ties and it still hurts you to be uh, ripped away from your family. And unfortunately, it seemed that uh, the ones we heard from and of did not have great experiences in the foster care system. And they are not in uh, foster families of Native Americans, even though there was a law signed that said this was what it was supposed to be, that you should be in foster care in your local community. But Right, but but the Native Americans in those communities don't qualify because they're poor. They don't have cars. They don't have phones, but they have a lot of love. And these kids were not neglected in any way, shape or form. Right. They were fed. They were happy. They were healthy. There was no reason to take them. None. And they kept trying to get home. Yes. Right. It's heartbreaking. It was. And it is. Yes. I think this case, I think this case, what I learned I learned quite a bit from this, but also the fact that if you want a retrial, if you want your your case retried, like Desmond does, he had to go back to the original judge. That doesn't make any sense to me. If, if, not saying that there's anything wrong with that judge, okay, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with judges or this or that, but if you think you had an unfair trial, it should be mandatory that it's heard by a different court. I agree. I, I don't understand okay. why it would have to go back to that court. Because unless, I think I it's a, know. I think it's a, it's a conflict of interest when you go back to the same judge. Yes. Especially when they come out of retirement just yeah. to do that one thing and then go back yeah. into retirement again. Like that, yeah. that is a huge red flag and mm-hmm. yeah. that should have been given to another court for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a conflict of interest. They, he already heard that case, made a decision. So in an appeal, somebody else should hear it and see if they agree. Right. They're, they they weren't even, them. right. They weren't asking for an exoneration at that point. They were just saying, can we have a, a re, you know, this retried all the evi- evidence seen again and heard again. Um, no, they yes. wouldn't do it. He wouldn't. No, I don't. There's not an, he yes, said, I, I think he said, there's not a jury on. here that would um, change the, the outcome. But you don't know well, that. In my mind, when the judge told Lucretia that he knows better than she does what happened. <clears throat> right. Right. That That's why I'm, I'm really, I'm glad that we ended that um, that story with the attorney Mike Ware from yes. the uh, Innocence Project of Texas. Because he pointed out all those things. Because you can't help but think when you're listening to the story, like, Oh, well, the grown-ups like something must be wrong here. Who, who, someone obviously made a mistake or something. But he was very good to point out exactly how 
um, things like this come about and how and why they don't get resolved or justice. Yeah, I think Mike was very interesting. He's very intelligent. Um, he was one of my favorite guests just because he was just so relaxed, so matter of fact and honest in his opinions. Yeah, Mike's a really, really great person. Mm -hmm. For somebody to take the time to really, you know, go and, and talk to all these people and, and try to get them the, the help that no one is giving them is, is pretty amazing. Like, yeah. great guy. And he, he said as much. Um, I remember that uh, he took the case because no one else would. Yeah, right. And he, he thought it was wrong um, because he's in Texas, right? And this all happened in South Dakota. Yeah. But they didn't have an innocence project at that time. And now they, I think they have a common one yeah. with uh, some of the neighboring states, but they wouldn't take it. And so uh, actually Anna managed to convince Mike Ware to take a look at it at least. Yeah. Um, and he did, and he did all he could. And he's still, I think, uh, upset mm -hmm. in the meaning angry and super bothered by the fact that there was nothing they could do right 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 even when the so-called victims recanted you know that should be an automatic uh retrial Retry. or exactly yeah so. well this the, yeah this season the first season was really awesome i think um, we did hear from a lot of great people and I learned a lot because going in, going in, I knew nothing about our legal system. I still know very, I like, I know like 10% compared to what Ellen knows about the United States justice system. Um, Same. <laughs> so it was yeah, a learning experience and I'm really glad because I think that some of our listeners also was, this, you know, they were the same way, didn't really understand anything and. It's really eye-opening, I think. Yeah, I think um, hearing from the judges, uh, Leanne Dopino and uh, Marsha Stacy was definitely um, interesting to, to hear from that side of the court, um, you know, how, how things work. And I think Leanne is definitely inspiring. I just, it cracks me up when, even when I think about when she said, when I asked her if she always wanted to be a judge she's, or go into law, law, she said she wanted to be a judge or a general. <laughs> <laughs> and during her her youth, you know, those both of those were were not um, jobs that women uh, usually got. Well, generals, definitely. I don't think there's I don't know. There may have been a female general by now, but I doubt I don't think so. Um, but she had some definite dreams and aspirations that she made it come true. I like about our conversations with everyone that we have had on that we are like asking questions and we're curious and we're listening, but we're not, um, we're not 
or I just want to say that we're not pushing back because we're not journalists mm-hmm. and we're not investigating anything. We're listening to what people have to say. And I have had like a lot of thoughts after uh, we had Leanne on, for example, where I was like, what was what was that really? Because at the time when we were talking to her, I was like, I thought it was so interesting. I really enjoyed the conversation. So just as anyone is wondering, it's not like uh, we're not pushing back because pe- people are invited on to yeah. to say what stories. they want. Yeah, or or answer the questions they want to answer. Yeah. So just so you know, because she's a judge and we just came from um, uh Mike, we're telling us what some of the problems with the judicial system is. And I'm sure he didn't say all judges, but he pointed out some problems with the judicial system. But but on the other hand, it was great to hear from uh, Mm -hmm. Leanne because she thought it worked perfect. The system, so right. Mm-hmm. In her town, yeah, maybe it, it was, does, but yeah, I think it's rare yeah. that people feel that way. Yeah. Well, I think that most um, most judges and prosecutors feel like they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're not out to get people. Right. Um, some of them are. Some of them just prosecutors, especially. They just mm-hmm. want. They want to win. That's all they want. They don't care. Right. Um, they feel that it's not their job to determine guilt or innocence when it's brought to them, even though our Constitution guarantees um, innocent until proven guilty. They um, once the once the information is handed off to the prosecutor, they're guilty. And that's the prosecutor's job is to prove it. Right. I don't want to come off as having like rose colored glasses, but I do believe that the majority of judges, prosecutors, all attorneys, police officers are the good ones. They're they're really trying to do their best, and if they do um, make a mistake, it's it's really hard to to turn from what your your vision is. It's hard to see another point. Sometimes that you know, if you ninety percent believe you're correct, it's hard to to believe anything different. Um, you might want to cut that out, Ty. But <clears throat> it's it's the ninety percent that that you don't hear about. So the good guys, you right. don't hear about those those cases because they don't That's make the sweet. news. It's the ten percent that you hear about the bad ones, the bad cops, the bad prosecutors, the bad judges. Um, <clears throat> I'm lucky. Yeah, that's I mean, I, I feel. Yeah, I feel. I feel like we're lucky that the, for the majority, um, <clears throat> they're good guys and, and good women. Yeah, D- different uh, different kind of colored glasses here, but I will say that um, <clears throat> when you look at the wrongful conviction cases, and we had both uh, Jesse and yeah Desmond and. And uh, the Yankton Four and the Jesse and Jamie Snow and Mitchum. Mitchum. And it's just that you see sometimes in the post-conviction work, and that's what we also heard from Mike Ware, that they are fighting so hard to even look at it again, that it's hard to claim, you know, that they're all just trying their best. Yeah. 
because they're not. I know. Because, and, and I guess, um, but, but I do understand why when you work in a system that you would feel it's a good system. It works from, from your own perspective. Mm -hmm. And then I think it works better from uh, judges or prosecutors' perspective than it does from a defense attorney or defendants. Yeah. I sure. think a defense attorney has a, a hard, harder time because you have to because in in the court of law, it is innocent until proven guilty, and if you don't feel that the prosecutor proved their case, most. Defense attorneys don't want to muddy the waters by putting on a defense, but then the jury sees that as they're not defending themselves. Why aren't they defending themselves? Um, and, and frankly, we don't have to, but I, I think we need to inform our juries of more things like that to understand that, you know, they, the Fifth Amendment right self-incrimination they they don't have to say anything that could be turned turned around and used against them but the way um the way it seems is that once they are indicted then they are in the eyes of everyone they're guilty they're guilty until they prove their innocence and they don't have to do that right so yeah, I was glad that we were were able to have a prosecutor on, but she was from Denmark, so of course it's a it's oh, very different because it's a it's a whole different uh, judicial system. But it was very interesting for me to learn about because, like Jude said, <laughs> I've, I've been more about like uh, the American justice system than the Danish one. So there were a lot of things I didn't know, right. and that was very uh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Right to hear from her. And I I I felt the same way talking to her as talking to Leanne, because I was like, yeah, all that's I want to hear that. I want to hear that. Yes, I think that <laughs> this is so fair and so good. Uh, and afterwards, I was like. Am I. Gullible or maybe Jude's right that there are a lot of good people working in the system and 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 they and sometimes it is doing what it's supposed to do i hope me too it sucks that all you know there's a lot of bad eggs that make the good ones look bad but there's there's some good ones out there for sure <laughs> we need more stories of them maybe next season we yeah. can get some of the good guys uh, more well i mean i think I think the ones that we interviewed were good guys, mm -hmm. um, air quotes, mm -hmm. like, you know, Jen Taylor is, is a mm -hmm. good defense attorney. She was very interesting. She had a lot of good things to say. Um, you know, I think Leanne is honest. I think Marsha is honest. So, you know, those are, those are some examples of, of some good people. Mm -hmm. Even the prison guard bill that we talked to, like, he he yeah. did not put down the prisoners. He did not put down his, you know. No, not he, at all. He was he was really like um, very interesting to hear from. Yeah, he was super respectful. Mm -hmm. Like he was like, "This is the job I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to follow what you know. What is the actual thing I'm supposed to be doing, and not put my individual, 
you know, thoughts about what they did or what they didn't do as an, right. as a person, but rather I'm, I'm to help them and, and be here to support that job. And that was super respectful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I'm very glad that he mentored others. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Made me feel, you know, happy <clears throat> to know that. And I think maybe also it's, it's totally wrong. I realize that now to, to characterize professions. Because it's not like that. I hate it when people do it to me, like, oh, you're a teacher. Teachers are like this. Or I once knew a teacher and <laughs> she was bad. And so, but but because, of course, it's it's just, it's people. My, my uh, concern is that the judicial system allows for bad actors to be bad actors. Mm-hmm. You know? That's the problem, not the fact that there are bad bad actors, because there there is everywhere. Yeah, and that's why you have a system in place in in many different uh, branches of you know government to keep um, everyone in check. So so it's at least harder to cheat and lie or whatever. Yeah, in in any business. There's no consequences when they do it. That's the problem. That's the yeah, problem they're above have. the law, and that's yeah. that's, that's what yeah. I guess weird. Because then yeah. you, it's just allowed to happen at that point. Right, right. Um, there's no consequences. Just a smack on the hand. Don't do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless somebody of their same place or higher than yeah. them are the ones bringing it to light. Right. Like Frank Serpico, for example. Which Yeah. Hopefully, uh, it would be really cool if we could talk to him. So shout out to him. Hopefully, oh, we can wow. get him on. <laughs> yeah. That would... But I, I guess uh, Tim pointed it out. Or maybe more. Se- no, Mitchum said it as well. That the problem is that the judges higher up or former prosecutors. That's the system yeah. in many states that you, that's the uh career path you you're a prosecutor and then you become a judge in the same circuit or the same area so when when problems or when there are problems with your cases that you had as a prosecutor when they come before a judge it might be the same prosecutor who's now a judge and his fellow prosecutors are also judges perhaps so so it's it's kind of you know, there is a possibility for um, like a problem of uh, covering things. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that that can happen. Yeah, and and I we talked very briefly with Mike Ware about the fact that many, like most judges, are former prosecutors, but there are some that I know of that are defense attorneys mm-hmm. or um, former. Uh- public defenders have been which both, just cool because they know which i think it should be i think in order to be a judge you should have to have been both a prosecutor and defense attorney so you know both sides yeah i think that only helps and makes more you yeah. know the most sense to understand the whole perspective of, of the system than to just kind of be in one spot and not be right. able to think in that direction i mean i'm sure they do but being able to be in that that area and also be like more educated in that spot would definitely help. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they know both sides then and not just Mm -hmm. 
not just, um, you know, they, I think they tend to lean towards their former job, you know. Well, um, that's their experience. Exactly. And that's what they, that's the perspective they had and worked within, which makes sense. So it's, I think it would be, yeah, it would be great if, uh, if, if you could also become a judge from uh, having a career in defense work or public yeah. defender's office work. Yeah. But it does happen because, as we learned, uh, some judges are elected, not appointed. Yes. So right. I think most are, um, except for Supreme, Supreme Court is um, appointed, but I think most places that are elected and there are several states where, right, you don't, you don't even really need, like, a law degree. You just get elected. Yeah, right. That's wild. It's 2023, and yeah. that's crazy. You know who I would like to see running things? Trauma Doe. <laughs> Definitely. Right. I really, I really liked her, her episode. She was so informative. She's so intelligent. Um, her her work her training is is just incredible. She's she's such a, a wonderful person. I thought it was so interesting that um, it was a it was a perspective that you don't often think about uh, when you're talking about crime and stuff. But somebody has to go in there and be a first responder, not to the victim, but to the victim's family, the crime yeah. scene, everything. Someone needs to go in and make sure everything is done in the right order and be sort of a um, connection link between law enforcement and the hospital and the mm-hmm. first responders. I thought that was so interesting. That's so important. Yeah. And to determine whether it was a homicide or an accident or, I mean, only the, the, um, coroner can really determine that is it the coroner or the medical medical examiner can determine that but on scene you know obviously if someone's been shot if a lot of times it's obvious or if they've been stabbed um and and so they can report that it was a homicide um or possible suicide um so yeah to be that person would be a really difficult job, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I can't imagine the emotional stress from that as well. I mean, well, what an important job for real. Like, that's just, I have a lot of respect for her and people that do that job. I mean, that's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful. And mm-hmm. it was a very interesting conversation we had with her as well. Cool to see from that perspective and she had a lot of backgrounds in a lot of different places, so it was yeah. very cool. Also I'm, I'm anxious to have her back on to talk about her time as a firefighter and um, med- um, uh, oh, you got to say the right one, Kathy. I know. She was I know. Clear about that. <laughs> I always say the wrong thing, so I'll go ahead. Yeah. She's an EMS, um, emergency medical services. She worked in a ambulance, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just oh. remember there was something there that you could say the wrong abbreviation. 
real easy. Right. But uh, but I I do I I would love to have her back as well. But as a matter of fact, I would love to have everybody back, Willie, because um, she's a paramedic. Yeah. Oh, and but as I as I listen to the episodes, I always uh, have new questions or things that that I'm thinking, oh, this would be interesting to hear their perspective of. And so mm-hmm. so I hope um, some of our guests would uh, come back on. Yeah. And, I feel uh, like that as well. Like after every episode, it was crazy. It's like, oh, shoot, I should have asked this question. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we'll try Agreed. to get some of them back on, especially Trauma Doe, because she does have another career involved in in uh, the criminal justice system. Uh, well, first responder. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to have her back on. Um, and then um, the professional juror, that sounded really, really interesting. But you know what I was reminded of? So my husband just got a notice for, um, a, um, what do you call it? A it's, it reminded me of the professional juror because it's three months long. Um, jury duty? Jur- not, no, um, grand jury. For grand, grand jury. jury. And, and it's three months long. And um, he could pick two days a week or three days a week to do this. But that reminded me of kind of like the professional juror where, you know, the way that um, Suzanne explained it, um, that they're, called um and and they but i i like their panel of three judges and three lay judges because that helps keep keep the emotion out of it and that's what we need to do that's what we need to do with our jurors is keep have them keep the emotion out of it look at the facts did the prosecutor present the the facts in a way that you're sure you know, you have a, um, there's no reasonable doubt that the person did it. Um, so I really like that system. And I, I think it, that you can have a compassion without going too hard on emotions. Yeah. Like you can have compassion. Right. And that, that's what I liked about uh, talking to Katrina because she seemed very compassionate and she said it was not her job to convict people or just that she's what was the way she said it like everybody should feel respected and feel like they had a fair process everybody yeah so the the victim's family and the victims and but also the person who's uh the defendant should feel respected through the process and everybody so it's not that adversarial and you know, black or white. It's more like we need to go through all of these steps and everybody needs to feel respected and heard. Yeah. Well, one thing that I I do want to say is I didn't realize when we were interviewing Suzanne that she only did um, uh, appeals, sentence appeals. I didn't understand that at first. I thought, you know, she did. Me neither. There was a bit of confusion there, but... I understand now because now yeah. I'm, I've paid attention and, <laughs> and yeah, seen yeah. what it is. But actually, Katrina did mention it. I just 
she said, like everybody in Denmark is entitled to two yes. two trials. But that so both the prosecution and the defense has a right to, to two mm-hmm. trials, right, or to one appeal. Right. Yeah, one appeal, oh. or yeah. Okay. So that appeal yeah. will be granted. It's yeah. not something you have to have granted, but in Denmark, uh, the prosecution can appeal as well, right? Yes. If they lose, yeah. So, yeah. But sometimes yeah. they will. I think that helps them um, agree on something because sometimes they will not appeal because they agree on a sentence that is yeah. manageable for everybody or right. something like that. Then they want appeal them right the yeah. matter of guilt so but so yeah um and then our our next two cases are definitely heartbreaking um michelle and carrie um michelle losing her son jacob um michelle is a very good friend of mine um i didn't know jacob i met her after i met her about six months after his murder um and you know just knowing her and talking to her all these years i know just how impactful that was how extremely painful i couldn't imagine it i couldn't you know to lose a child um and jacob was 16 at the time so and then in carries her nephew was 14 14 Michael um that was another heartbreaking one and that one that one brings up a lot of um issues with the criminal justice system mm-hmm. you know these were juveniles that and this is one that's really hard for me because I don't believe that juveniles should be charged as adults however I also don't think that these two and I'm sure there are others should be let back out because of their their lead up. They are definitely serial killers in the making. Can you rehab them? I don't know, but our system is not set up for rehabilitations. Yeah, I was definitely going to say that too. Like, no matter you know what the crime is, if if they're a young kid kind of getting thrown into jail, that's going to reshape them. That's not going to, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to have them coming out in it better spot than when they came in you know it's it's going to be a really tough situation and i mean there i'm sure there are a lot of people who do a lot of thinking and do take some good out of that time to really think about their life and themselves to reshape that but when you're put into a position in that kind of system where it's just chaos and and nothing is in there to build you up positively then you know a lot of the times nine out of ten there's going to be people coming out that were in a worse spot mentally than where they were before so exactly that's that's one of our, you know, but our criminal justice system is not set up for violent young offenders. We just, I mean, a juvenile detention center is not the right place for them, and neither is a, an adult prison. So what do we do with them? Yeah. yeah, it's tough. I thought it was a good chance to both of these stories to to talk about what healing is what you need or what can help you heal because obviously it's ongoing trauma and and pain forever but we did uh get a chance to talk about is it important to 
know what happened? Is it important to, you know, to see some kind of justice in a courtroom? Like what matters and how what's important when you as a victim's family interact with the justice system and also others. Yeah. I was happy they they were very good to talk about how this affect them in their interactions with their families and friends and what can you do when someone is struck by tragedy and yeah yeah that's the hard part to know you know how to help them through it I I remember um talking to Michelle one time and she said that it was I think coming up on the one year anniversary of Jacob's uh, murder and she said you know everybody's there for you in the beginning everybody's there and then after the funeral everybody starts falling away and you're left dealing with all your pain and all your heartache and and everything on your own because everybody's moving on with their lives and you know that's that was really impactful to me it made me really think about and not just people who lose people to tragedy like this but you know when you lose somebody period it's you know you're expected to get over it or you know move on with your life and some people really struggle with that um and you're never going to get over it you're not I, I don't care who it is but i think especially a child your child you're never going to never going to get past that But I also think in this case, these two cases, there's no doubt that they got the right people. Now, when we move on to Jesse and Mitchum and Jamie, we're talking three wrongful convictions. You know, they got the wrong person. And how is that justice for the victims? And, and in these three cases, there are like three victims it's not like we started out where no crime had really happened with the desmond's case so in this case there were three real murder victims um with families Mm -hmm. who uh, had to go through all of that but didn't maybe get the same sense of closure i don't know but when you have a wrongful conviction uh, usually there's not much info about what happened, especially when it's cold cases, because right. it's it's too late to uh, gather the information sometimes for yes. investigators to really figure out what happened. Yes. So you also have families with no answers who yeah. are maybe who feel maybe they're happy someone paid for the loss. Of, like there's some kind of justice. Um but but still they don't know what happened. Yeah, I and I I think that I would feel that it was not justice if they didn't get the right person. If I had any doubt. That wouldn't be justice. I but mean, I think a lot of victims' family, like they believe what the what police tells them. Right. Or right. what is being said at trial. Yes. They don't realize that there is uh, a lot of leeway right. for uh, storytelling right. from both sides. But I would 
walk out of a trial very confused, I think, if I was the victim's family and there was, uh, you know, being told two completely different stories from right. the defense and the prosecution, then yeah. how do you get closure? You you have to pick one. Right. Yeah, that's uh, tough. And I'm not saying that it's right to walk away from it, kind of accepting whatever, but I know that in that time, their their emotions are out of whack. You know, they're like in the worst yeah. place that they've ever been. And to just kind of walk out of there knowing that somebody, you know, maybe that is the person, even that little 1% of like, that yeah. there is some justice. I think that's kind of like what, what gives them a little bit of closure. And unfortunately seeing from the other side that it might not be, you know, that might not have been that person's fall is like, it. it's, it's a really tough situation, yeah. but. Yeah. Like um, Mr. Gove in Jesse's case, you know, when Jesse told him, Mr. Gove, I did not kill your wife. He was unsure. He said, I don't know what to think. And, and I really, feel from things that I read um, about him afterwards I don't know that he ever felt that he got justice for his wife's murder so and he um, didn't get answers you know right usually that's the problem with the wrongful conviction so many things were unexplained and and just yeah guessed sometimes yeah. if if you get like the right person you'll have to all the evidence and Yes. explanation to what happened yes i think sometimes it, i think that that's yeah i think in his case he had reasonable doubt about jesse's guilt i think that's that would be fair to say I that he had reasonable doubt but you know i the, think that's re-traumatizing case, oh. for him as well like for for the victim's families it's like can you imagine going through the, the loss of a family member or loved one and then going through the trial, knowing the person didn't do it and you can't stop it. Like that has to be a weird sense of holy shit moment. <laughs> Excuse yeah, my language. Yeah. But like, how do you handle that? If you really believe that the person charged and going to jail for your loved one's murder did not do it. It's so crazy. And it's it's tough, which is why I think a lot of people like victims, families, they have to choose to say it's closed now. The yeah. right person is in prison. It's closure, mm -hmm. yeah. the end. But I, I, and I understand that why you have to have that mindset. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes like the prosecution uses that against people who are appealing their cases. They're saying like, you're putting the victim through this again, you know, yeah. dismiss this appeal. And so you're getting double blamed like you're now the person in prison trying to prove their innocence they're blamed for re-traumatizing the victim's yeah. family which they are because they are re-traumatized every time it has to be taken up again but mm. it's because they didn't get it right from the start so yeah so that's that's a whole cycle of of pain and re-traumatization for everyone yeah. it's bad and I do remember it's a whole different case we didn't discuss on this season, but uh, Mitch, Mitchum actually mentioned it um, in our interview with him. But the victim's family um, realized at some point because of a podcast and uh, reinvestigation that the wrong people were in prison. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought that was so courageous of them. I have not really seen a lot of that, but uh, they did. And they tried to write the prosecutor and they tried to contact the prosecutor to tell them they just had to have their like letter submitted that they didn't have uh, believe in the conviction anymore and they felt like they were innocent. And the prosecutor said to them, you should be grateful. We got you a conviction. So, and, and I think I understand, but that just shows you a little bit about where some prosecutors come from. Like they feel if they give the family a conviction, they give them closure. And so they don't want to take that away again, even though it's a wrongful conviction. Well, right. she didn't say that. She was very sure that it was a uh, rightful conviction. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's we, we do need a lot of changes in our criminal justice system because there there are so many wrongful convictions, and I didn't ever realize I had a lot of faith in our criminal justice system at one time before I got involved in. Um, the wrongful convictions. And I, I just, some of these cases, I just cannot believe how they got convicted. And, and so many times it's um, because the jury doesn't want to spend a weekend there. Mm-hmm. So they just agree. Um, thinking that, well, they'll just get it overturned on convict on um, appeal. Well, it's not that easy. <laughs> right. And going into this podcast, I had that conservative view of they wouldn't be where they are if there wasn't any evidence. I had that whole mindset. Like they had to have done something for the jury to convict them. In in every case in the United States, not just, you know, certain ones, but then looking into the judicial system, sorry, judicial system um, through each individual case, looking at the files, looking at the evidence, looking at the trial notes or whatever. It's messed up. Yeah. And yeah, not everybody gets a fair trial and that just kind of blew me away. Yeah, because and I think part of it is because, you know, the the jury our jury system is all regular people who who aren't involved with criminal justice system and aren't involved with the law and they don't understand that you have to take your emotion out and just look at the facts because we are emotional people. That's, I mean, that's how we're designed. Um, And, you know, we have to stop as a juror, stop feeling for the victim and, and looking to see whether the prosecution did present the case and, and prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, It doesn't have to be beyond all doubt. But um, I know another case that we haven't covered on here, but a case that I know of, um, they were not allowed to present alternate suspects. The defense wasn't allowed to present alternate suspects. Well, that's reasonable doubt. If you if if there are other suspects that, you know, maybe should have looked into further. um, And maybe maybe the police did look into them further. And then that can be rebutted by the state saying, well, their alibis checked out or, you know, whatever, um, you know, they had no 
no reason, no um, opportunity. Um, and um, but our, our jury system doesn't understand that. They just say, you know, there were, you know, this. Well, look at Desmond's case, the Yankton Four. There were five five victims that were, you know, traumatized by their uncles when they weren't traumatized by their uncles. They were traumatized by what happened when they were taken from their homes. Um, and but you know, our jury's system leans towards something in a case a case like this where there are child sex assault victims. Um, they tend to lean towards protection of the the children, but you know these these kids immediately said that they were coerced. They were promised gifts. They were promised trips to Disneyland and McDonald's, and they you were know, promised they that they home. would go home. Yeah. yeah, that was because all the all the children that wouldn't testify or wouldn't say anything against their uncles, they they got back home, but the yes. younger ones didn't know that. Yes. No. Yep. The ones that wouldn't um wouldn't say anything got to go back home. So um but I think again our jury system is, you know, we need more informed jurors. But I think I also think that our um society today people are being more informed now um because of the podcasts and um documentaries and um youtube shows that talk about the the criminal justice system and how corrupt it can be no, it's not totally corrupt like we said there are good people out there you don't hear their stories though you only hear the stories of the the bad ones. And um, yeah, I hope so. I really hope that podcasts and journalists and documentaries has or is beginning to make a difference so that it's not that um, foreign or alien to hear about. You think, what is that? I've never heard of that. But then second time or third time or fourth time you hear about it you're yeah that's right I heard about that yeah. it does happen things like that is is maybe helping to to make people more aware of what is happening in general in the justice system because also you know rules about police are allowed to lie right to minors and adults and a lot of people don't know that because they think they live or some people live in a situation they don't have, they haven't had any contact with police and maybe they believe if you do, that's because you're a criminal, not because you're right. targeted, right? So right. you only have your own experience and then what you saw on TV to to build an idea about how law enforcement works. Yeah. So, so you have to... Um, Yeah, it's just a. I I I'm hopeful that people um, are more aware. Yeah. Uh, of you know the flaws of the system. Some yeah. parts of it works. 
Yeah. I hope, I, but, know, but but there are flaws, and 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 they're easily easier to avoid, I guess, if you're aware of what the problems are. Yeah. So I wasn't aware that police were allowed to lie up until just a few years ago. I was I was shocked that yeah. you know they are allowed to. It's a it's a tool to. Well, I'm sorry, but if I'm not allowed to lie to the police, they're not allowed to lie to me. That's how I feel. Um, but I'm, I'm, I guess an example, like what you were saying, Ellen, of someone who kind of trusted the system, didn't really have much contact with the, the judicial system in general or law enforcement. And um, going into thinking about it, I just thought it works, you know, and everything is happening. So it must work. But, um, you know, then I think my first time hearing that cops can lie was like making a murder, the documentary, like hearing about that, watching that. I was like, wow, that's that's crazy that that happened, that somebody went to jail for something they didn't do. And that, you know, Brendan Dossie was being told all of these things that he didn't think of himself and then was reiterating that and being lied to. And I was like, damn, that's that's awful. But to now be involved with this and hear how this is happening so many more times is is unreal. So yeah, there's obviously a problem, and you know we can we can only be more helpful about pushing these kind of things out to kind of reiterate to people like me that this isn't a system that works every time, unfortunately, and there are a lot of flaws that we need to push, you know, forward to people to be like, wake up, you know, this we need to fight for this, we need to start voting more importantly for the local laws, yes. you know, the local, the local people in place, vote in those people that, you know, should be in place. And, you know, that's more important, even yep. more important than, you know, the, the bigger um, voting. What is it? What am I trying to say? The bigger. Yeah, oh, the, who, who's, who's president. It's very important. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. is, uh, who is in your local office. Exactly. Thank it, you. it might Thank affect you. you more. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, uh, for sure. And and we had several guests all working in the uh, trial system, so I don't know. But they all said, "Go see yeah. a trial." I know Katrina yes. said it. Uh, Judge Ann Dofino said, "Please go yeah. see a trial." It's uh, it's interesting. Learn about that is one way to learn about the system. I yeah. because trials are public. Yes, I get unless you know there are some cases where they close the doors and they're not public. In Denmark, at least, but um, but trials are. But I don't know. I feel it's like also coming to look at people's tragedy. No, no one is in a courtroom because they're in a great spot. No matter, you know, no matter what. But um, yeah. But it, but, but it, you're not learning anything. On the other hand, if just if you look away, right. And about and about that respect and trying to respect people uh victims families uh mm -hmm. victims of crime there there is a lot of discussion about uh podcasts uh, that are exploiting victims and um i understand that that's with any industry there will be people exploiting things so i've just i follow a lot of people on twitter that are victims or victims family and they they talk about the importance of them being you know asked or being 
you know, reached out to instead of just being like a rehashing show that tells you one horrible story after the other. So that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to respect people who want their voices heard. It's not for... Um, right. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to next season. Um, I know we don't. We have a few um, already um, that we know that we're going to do, but uh, I'm really looking forward to to what we can have next season. I'd like to get more people in law enforcement, the good guys, mm -hmm. to come on and and talk to us about about things. Um, you know how how they perceive the justice system. Yeah, and I want to reiterate here what we have said in past episodes. If you have any, if you have a story you want us to do, or you know someone, please contact us at touchbycrime at gmail dot com. Yep. Well, I think um, I think we recapped all of our cases and went a little further into the weeds of our criminal justice system. So. Um, I want to thank all of our guests who have come on, um, everyone who's helped in this, um, the, um, our artist, um, Jennifer Tavares, and our music editor, our music man, Shane Yoder, um, and our editor, Tyler. <laughs> we couldn't do this without any of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I also want to throw out a thank you to all of our listeners and our and our core listeners, especially Melaine. Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. We really appreciate it, and uh, we're really helpful. Uh, well, really thankful that you know that you guys have been so helpful and supportive of us, and uh, you know we hope you continue to listen. So, yeah, Very I also well said. Mm -hmm. I also want to say um, thank you to the podcast. Um, Mitch and Reeves has a podcast. So I really appreciate him being on and the snow files. Um, we had heard from Tammy, Jessica, and Nicole. So if anybody is wanting to listen to their podcast, uh, check them out. We really enjoyed listening to them as well. Yeah. And Jen Taylor as well, right? Yes. Jen Taylor. She does yeah. have one. Yeah. I cannot remember um, the name of it right now. Vanished. 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 Yeah. We'll put, we'll put their links to their podcasts in the show notes. Yes, thank you, everybody, and uh, um, amazing forty episodes yeah. and four different time zones, <laughs> and we've been all over with the people we talk to as well. Where they would like to tell in season two. Thank you and take care.